Ladies and gentlemen, we're only still three weeks away from the Florida State Seminoles taking on the Oklahoma Sooners in the cheese Bowl in Orlando. And you know what? Not know your foe, but we're bringing on Max Mudicus, a.k.a. the best girl dad that I know, for a small little preview there. And also, ACC is removing divisions for the rest of the rest of the time, for the rest of forever. So we can talk a little bit a little bit about that a little bit more on today's edition of Locked On Seminoles. Tongue twister, but let's ride. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Seminoles. What's everybody? It's your boy Drake here. And today in the stream yard, I got Mr. Maximus Mudicus, a.k.a. the best girl dad that I know, a.k.a. the homie, Maxwell. What's going on, my guy? What's cooking? Good looking. Um, folks, I, I'm coming to you in sheer and utter excitement. Got my 4th and 14 shirt on because Jordan Travis has officially announced that he will be returning to school next year to play for Florida State. Um, it's just, dude, it's just exciting, man. There's there's no other way to put it. I mean, uh, I'm trying not to sound like a Miami fan and win the offseason and be like, oh, well, that me, means we're going to win a championship next year and he's going to win a Heisman. I, that's, that's not what we're saying. But think about Jordan Travis playing for next year's team. Is it a net positive or a net negative? It's a net positive, and I'm going to celebrate it, man. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to wear my 4th and 14 shirt. And, uh, yeah, a lot's going on right now, but that's that's probably the most exciting piece of info we got today. Oh, it's it's phenomenal. It's great. Shout out to our friends over at the Bowser and Collective because they're just doing great, great work, and I can't wait to see what they have in store moving forward. But we'll discuss that at a later date. Today, I want to get your thoughts on the Cheez-It Bowl matchup that we have slated for December 29th. Unfortunately, it is a Thursday, and we'll try my best to get up there, but uh, I'll ask my homie, the boss, to see if I can actually make it up there to see y'all, to see the gang. But, Max, we are facing off against the Oklahoma Sooners team that is under first-year head coach Brenton Venables, the former defense coordinator from Clemson, Dylan Gabriel, the former quarterback from UCF as well, Jeff Levy, the OC. I wanted to ask you, what are your initial thoughts, takeaways from this matchup, and how do you feel as, on, a, on a macro level how this game will be playing out? Yeah, no, it's a good question, man. Let me let me start with point number one. Cheez-Its has a lot of money. They bought the naming rights to a bowl. I, I, I think this is a point of personal privilege, but folks, it's not like some two-bit second-rate bowl we're going to. It's the second selector after the Orange Bowl of the ACC bowl tie-ins. Like, it's a, it's a very good bowl game you're going to. Yes, you're playing Oklahoma. Yes, they had a less-than-stellar year. Yes, they had a less-than-stellar record. But just the fact that Cheez-Its is sponsoring it, like this kind of clowning on Twitter, like, oh, it's the Cheez-Its Bowl. That's not even a real... No, it's it's a solid bowl game. I mean, it, you, you're going to a respectable bowl as a 9-3 and three team. As for Oklahoma, I think there's two things at play here. One, there's Oklahoma the team. And two, man, there there's Oklahoma the brand. So Oklahoma the team is, I believe they're 6-6, six and six. Um, but I think they had three one-score losses this year. They have a very good head coach and Brent Venables who, yeah, he wasn't perfect his first year out of the gate after his team got raided by the old head coach and he didn't have much time to recruit, but 
I think he's going to be a very good head coach and we know he's a, he's a good defensive mind. So you get to play that. It's, it's going to be a, um, I don't want to say a challenge in the sense of like, it's going to be the hardest game you played all year, but it, it's not going to be a Georgia tech or a Miami. And then you have Oklahoma, the brand, you know, this is one of those teams where regardless of what their record is, regardless of how they look during the year, beating Oklahoma, I think will always mean something, right? Like there's always that gravitas or that, that weight behind the statement of, oh yeah, that was the year we beat Oklahoma or, oh, hey, we beat Oklahoma. Now, I'm not saying we will. I mean, I think we will, but if you win this game, you get an amplification than if you beat a, you know, a, a six and six Tulane team, no, no offense to Tulane, but that's just that. Let me ask you this, Drake. When you think back on this game, let's say we win, we beat what will be a six and seven Oklahoma. And then you look at us losing to a Houston team that, from like that point forward, what seven or eight next games, like w- was like 18 and oh, you know, mm-hmm. that that Houston loss is still going to sound worse on paper because you're like, dude, it's Houston, you lost to them. That's going to sound worse than than this does. No one's going to be like, well, they were six and six, now you beat Oklahoma. It's it's a feather in the cap. So I think it's a good opportunity. You're right. You're right about that because like if you actually watch college football or majority of the teams like you and I do, that's like okay, we know that Houston's a very like that Houston eight no eighteen and Houston team. It's a very good Houston team. Great coaching staff, great players. But then you have you know our best friend Dave coming up here. Hey, it's Houston. It's a group of five team. Can't be out here losing a group of five teams because of the talent disparity, which is also very very true. Now this Oklahoma team. Is a team that while they were they were rated by Lincoln Riley when he left. I remember Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman. Shout out to the Heisman ticket. I told you guys you guys to take over in August because plus four fifty was a great value bet. So overall, to me, this Oklahoma team, I did take that. I took that immediately. It took him, Jameer Gibbs, and Travion Henderson. Always take one QB and two running backs, like my boy B. John Robinson from last year. Even though he had it up until they played Oklahoma. But which is kind of funny as well. Connection to dots here. But overall, this Oklahoma team is a team that you can see they started off, you know, three and zero, beating UTEP, beating Kent State, beating Nebraska. Not really impressive, but then looking back on the loss, loss at the beginning, lose to Kent State by one score, lose to TCU by thirty. Don't score any points against a Texas team that I don't think they had Quinn Ewers or Quinn Ewers actually came back for that game specifically. Overall, you look at the their season; it's very inconsistent. It's very inconsistent kind of squad. So to me, this is a game that may be a little dangerous for us if we don't have the best showing kind of heading into this bowl matchup. Yeah, and and you also have the advantage where you have some pretty notable opt-outs for Oklahoma. I know they've got two of their, well, not two of, their best two offensive linemen have opted out. I think they've had a receiver opt-out maybe. Um, I have to go back and look, but we also have the converse of that happening. Like, ironically, converse. We've got guys like Jared Verse. We've got guys um, like Trey Benson saying, hey, no, I'm, I'm going to play in the bowl game. We've got, again, Jordan Travis for this bowl game uh, will be playing. So, you know, it's kind of like when we were looking at the end of the season and sometimes it's who's healthier. Now it's like whose roster is more complete. And we're going to have a full roster as far as I know. I mean, we're what we've got. Amari Gaynor is transferring. So he, do the guy, I'm assuming they don't so, play in the bowl game. No, no. Actually, I think there are several players that have hit the portal that actually will still play in the bowl game, but then transfer out after later. I think Amari Gaynor falls into that camp. I think Keyshawn Helton as well which would actually be pretty good because I know Imari Gaynor didn't play that much. I think the only thing the skin fits him anymore because now I think we're more of the 4-2-5. But for depth purposes, that's still going to be pretty, really good to see. Yeah, no, that, that's good. Okay, yeah. So, um, I, I admittedly, it's kind of a brave new world out there, folks, with transfers um, and opt-outs and, and all that. But, yeah, man, I think overall, 
look, it's Florida State, Oklahoma. And while we're not playing, I don't know how to put that, whatever. It's not the same caliber of the game of game that you saw in 2000, right? Or 2011 even, but it's still two big brands. It's two strong and passionate fan bases. And to me, man, this feels a lot like Notre Dame 2012, where it's like, yeah, Notre Dame then was a little better than Oklahoma now, but not a ton, where you had these two blue bloods who you're like, we're not sure if this is a dead cap bounce where both teams are having a decent year or are they both going to trend upwards. And sure enough, since that 2012 game, let's look at just the next 10 years, you've got what? One, two, two BCS appearances, one win for us, and four, three playoff appearances between those two teams. So yeah, it's it's. I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup with uh when you think about that way as well. No, I mean I completely agree with that overall. It's just it's going to be, it's just simply going to be a fun time. I think it's going to be a fun game. I actually did like Dylan Gabriel a lot heading into the season. He did perform pretty well up until the concussion that he did suffer. And then Brent Venables, I think is a, he's going to be a very good head coach over there. And Jeff Levy, I think he's he's on the short list for probably having then one of the one of the more attractive OC hires to actually become a head coach moving forward. But you know what, Max is also very attractive. You. Uh, besides myself, yourself. <laughs> well, as our friends over at Link Talent Solutions, aka LinkedIn Jobs, folks, these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain, 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and most importantly, for to free. Max, you use LinkedIn Jobs, right? So I got my job, man. Um, you know, I, this is, I, look, I'm not going to lie to the fans. See, I'm not on, I'm not full time on this show anymore. So I don't have to lie to your fans, um, which I can tell them it's the best show on the beat. So, but I, you know, we don't only, I don't only use sponsors. I love, you know, when you got corporate sponsorships, but this is one that I was really excited to have because for me, LinkedIn jobs uh, was, was literally how I found my job. Um, the cool thing about LinkedIn jobs is a, like you said, it's free. But you also have the social network, right? So here's a little pro tip. I know we have some younger listeners. If you find a job opening that you like on LinkedIn Jobs, the first thing you should do is search that company, and then you'll see a filter and put what school, probably Florida State, that you go to. And look up. You can see, hey, who are the alumni from my school that either currently work there or have worked there? In fact, I got uh, a DM on LinkedIn two weeks ago. Uh, My day job, I'm a consultant. It was a kid who's uh, wrapping up his undergraduate degree in business at Florida State. It was like, hey, I saw you work at uh, your, the consulting firm. I'm interested in this practice. Like, would love to connect with you. And I'm like, ah, cool. Another, you know, fellow Seminole. He's he's taking some initiative. Anyway, so so that's what's great about LinkedIn Jobs is you have that that dual component to it. So big supporter, big fan. Big, big fan here, folks. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Like Max was just saying, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Once again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free, for free, and most importantly, for to free. And as always, terms and conditions do apply. And we are back. We are rocking and roll here at Locked on Samuels. And thank you guys so much for, for us for making us your first listen each and every single day as Max is starting to reload for the next segment, which is divisionless football in the ACC. The ACC officially is going to do that next season. There's no more Coastal. There's no more Atlantic. There's no more easy way for the Miamis, the UNCs, and the Dukes of the world to get the championship left. Because now we got to play with the big dogs ourselves, Clemson, and NC State, kind of-ish. We'll see how they do next year without Devin Leary, which is Max 
I want your take on how divisionless football right now is going to help us with our path to the CFP. Dude, uh, sidebar, and don't hate me in the comments for this. Can NC State just win 10 games in a regular season? Like, they are so allergic to that. I, I just I feel awful for them in a way. I don't because, come on, it's NC State. You don't. But dude, you don't feel awful. Like they've never won 10 games, and then this year it's like maybe they'll do it, and they found a way to screw it up. It's like, anyway. We can probably cut that part out. So yeah, man, let me let me back up for a sec. So so folks, if you're not intimately familiar with how conferences work, that's that's fine. Uh, in the early 2000s, when you know the ACC expanded, they said, hey, you can have a championship game. The logical way to do that, they said, hey, let's divide the conference into two divisions. The winner of the East will play or Coastal will play the winner of the Atlantic, and they'll have the championship game. Well, we've seen over time that system kind of break down a bit. And what it's become is you have one side where you have the two best teams far and away every year. And the other side usually puts up a very minimal effort, I would I would say. I, I, Drake, I you know, I we can talk about this, I guess, after we'll, we'll put this part after we, we finish. But I don't know why it's quite worked out that way, right? Because when we're down, like, Wake gets good or NC State gets good or whatever, but it's just, it's, it's become very lopsided. So the solution now is that they're going to do no more divisions and we will have a, a, a pod, so to speak, of three teams, right? So we'll have Syracuse, Clemson, and Miami. We'll play them every year. And then the other five, five, four teams, five teams, the other five, five teams. Yeah. Right. One, two, three, yeah, four, five, five. Eight conference games, four, right. So in the other five, so then you'll, your other five conference games, so three play every year, and then you'll play five conference teams. The next year, those five will rotate to the remaining five, and that's how you'll get a system where every two years you'll have played every team in your conference. And Drake, I just think it's a, it's great for parity, right? For um, or sorry, great for opportunity because you can have a year where you know you don't have a one-loss Florida State team or a one-loss Clemson team sitting out the conference championship while a three or four-loss team from the other side goes to the uh goes to the conference championship but i i also think it'll be good for the conference on the national stage right because you'll you'll get to see more of these marquee matchups right you won't have Miami isolated to the coastal and then only having the one regular crossover with Florida state and one other randomly drawn, um, uh, randomly drawn crossover. Same with UNC. Mm -hmm. And finally, man, it's great for the fans, right? Like if you live in Tallahassee or you're like me and you live in Atlanta, the closest team to you in conference is Georgia tech. Dude, right now we only play Georgia tech every seven years, which means we only play Georgia tech in Atlanta every 14 years. Like, do you realize how absurd that is when you think about it? Now we're going to Atlanta once every four years. So I think from those three perspectives, like one, for opportunity to get to the championship, two, um, the parity that it will create and the amplification on the national stage because you'll really get to see what are these teams made of. Like five or six games in, you might realize Miami's a fraud instead of having to wait until they play um, us from the other side. And for the fans, it's it's a great win all around. And just like for the fans, like we're going all around. I mean, just, you just have better football games overall. I mean, listen, I think we had this show, I think, earlier earlier this year, I think around February and January, when we we're really in the deep deepness of the offseason after National Signing Day, where we looked at the previous AC championship games and what they could have happened, right? We would have had the Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson rematch because the regular season game was really, really dope. We would have had FSU against Clemson 
the year we played Houston in the Peach Bowl. So there's a lot of different things actually, you know, come into play with that. And overall, it just produces a better product, especially when now you have basically John Phillips, the commissioner of the ACC, is trying to kind of keep those bigger brands, the Blue Bloods, in the conference. Because there's a reason why, in my personal opinion, that you see these, um, uh, the schedule's only out to 2026. So to me, overall, you, you need to appease basically your your bigger breadwinners. That's why also you're hearing about the revenue split, the revenue sharing, kind of the new way they're doing that. But overall, I think for FSU, and we'll talk about the schedule probably in next segment, that this is actually probably, it's more, it's just more fun. It, is, it allows for more fun football and it's a more better fan experience overall as a whole. To- totally agree. I, you know what's interesting though, right, is like the rematch is always a good idea if it works in your favor. And what I mean by that is I don't – I'm almost like walking back what I said about good on the national stage because how many years could have gotten spoiled by a rematch? Not just for Florida State and the ACC, but let's let's extrapolate this out to other conferences that are going divisionless. For example, mm-hmm. this year, who are, who are two of the playoff teams? Michigan and Ohio State. Dude, if they were in a divisionless model, they would have played the game and then two weeks later played each other again in the conference championship. You mean the game game? The game's the game? game? The game the game to settle the game. As, as the game squared. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? So, you know, it, it's good that this coincides with playoff expansion because I think in a four-team model, as, the, as much as the purist in me is like, hey, this is how a champion should be decided, it actually would have hampered the conference on a national scale in the four team model where you pretty much had to be perfect to come out of the ACC and go to the playoff. No, I completely agree with you. Cause like, if it was a four team thing right now, we've already seen previously where uh, I was that big 12 championship champion in TCU. They were kind of left out. Then you had like, a Wisconsin team that had one loss Penn state, the same thing as well. So it is good to see you know, with the expansion and divisionless football, divisionless football kind of being coincided, kind of going at the same time. It's great moving forward. And also is great max. What's great, Drake? Our friends over at Bet Online, folks. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your latest sports action because, quite frankly, the World Cup is on right now. So, you know, that's a damn good time. Also, you got baseball free agency. You can bet on those as well as Xander Bogarts. But since Max is on, I need to have ask him about one of his favorite people, one of the coaches that he kind of looks at as a mentor. And that is our friend, Mr. Scott Satterfield. The Scott Satterfield Bowl over in Fenway. Scott Satterfield, for those who don't know, the former head coach of Louisville is now the head coach over at Cincinnati. And Louisville plays Cincinnati at Fenway, 11 a.m., December 17th. Currently, Cincinnati is a one-and-a-half-point dog. Louisville is already losing their defensive coordinator to Cincinnati. Maxwell, what are you taking in this game? So I, I say this as someone who is clearly unmarried with a child. So I've I've been in some awkward rooms, right? Like, you know, tip, been courtrooms mostly. Um, but you left out one key detail because you couldn't have written a better movie script. So Scott Satterfield was the coach at Louisville. The relationship was not going well. Last year, he like publicly interviewed for the South Carolina job. And when asked about it, you know, how, like as a coach, you're supposed to like literally deny everything. Like you accidentally leave the other team's sweatshirt on. You're supposed to be like, no, I've never, I don't even like that team. He just was like, yeah, well, you know, they're closer to my family, so I'd, I'd take the job. It, re- really weird, really weird stuff. So the relationship isn't going well at Louisville. So he pulls a, you can't fire me, I quit, and goes to Cincinnati. Louisville brings back uh, Brom. They're now going to play each other in the, Cincinnati, in, in, the, in the Fenway Bowl. And Drake, you said all that, 
But what you didn't mention that's hilarious is the way they have Fenway Park lined up. Yeah, the sidelines. Yes, the teams are on the same sideline. So he is literally going to be standing next to the team he just left. Coaching, I guess he won't be coaching. I mean, you know, because he's not there. But either way, I'm going to pretend he'd be coaching it because that just makes it funnier in my head. Um, But look, I I just think Cincinnati has so much more to play for. I, I, I think that when you look at bowl games, you have to look at like, who cares to be there and who's going to put in effort because that's that's what these games come down to, right? It's like who's going to practice hard for 15 days leading up to the bowl game. I think it's probably Cincinnati. I mean, they they constantly have that you're a group of five team chip on your shoulder. Um, and and I, I can't really see Louisville getting super excited for this bowl game, man. New coach coming in. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm taking Cincinnati on this one. If I, if I get a point and a half, I think that's a very reasonable spread to have to buy. I will, I will happily take them at, at minus one and a half. So folks take Cincinnati. Oh, what's or up? Wait, are they one and a half point dog? They're one and a half point favorites, right? Cincinnati? No, they're dogs, bro. Oh yeah. If you're giving, yeah, absolutely. Give me one and a half points. Yeah. Take the one and a half point folks with Cincinnati Bearcats, because quite frankly, the way Scott Southfield has left the building, sending out a mass text, and then you see all the discussion, all the discord on Twitter. Just take Cincinnati. Right with the Bearcats, the future Scott Tyrefields, because Luke Fickle actually did leave behind. Very good program, very good roster. So Cincinnati at plus one and a half is the play. So, Max, we start off obviously with LSU. Then we got Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Then we got Northern Alabama in November. And then Florida. Now we're still waiting on the dates, obviously, because apparently. You know, ACC is the only conference that doesn't give you the dates of the games because we can't plan ahead of time because, you know what, F us. So we have Boston College, Clemson, Miami, Syracuse, Wake Forest, Duke, Virginia Tech, and Pittsburgh. Now, several of those teams are looking for new quarterbacks heading into the season. I'm still waiting to hear on Sam Hartman with Wake Forest. I do believe that he may be most likely leaning towards staying, but honestly, crazy things will be happening. Maxwell, when you see the schedule and when you hear it as I read off to you, how do you feel about FSU Chancellor heading in 2023? I feel good, man. I look, I, I think this schedule lays out for you without knowing the order of the games, um, a, about as well as it could, but Hey, I'm, I'm going to be really honest because I know my boy, Fred Petrie, maybe listening to this, um, guys, LSU is no slouch. I mean, I know they they're so, they're going to be good. Them, and I, I took a lot of exception this year with people just, with people just deciding that, you know, oh well, if they played again, LSU would win. He, he, let me, let me. Do you still have the bleep button? Can I use my one right now? Yeah, go ahead. And, okay. But, well, it's not, gonna, it's not gonna work for you. It only is for my mic. But I'll. Uh, that's fair. I'll make sure it's uh, in there. You'll, you'll know it's coming, uh, folks. If you think you can watch two football teams, and tell me which one would win a head-to-head matchup, you're crazy, and you're wrong, because if you could do that, if the eye test were real. There would be a lot of broke casinos and a lot of rich gamblers. And I don't know if y'all have looked around recently, but there are not a lot of rich gamblers and there are not a lot of broke casinos because the eye test is a made-up concept that we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel like all this time we put into watching football has actually made us smarter. Now you may say, Max, why are you going into this rant? Well, simply put, because... When you see two teams play head-to-head and then you watch them play other teams, 
you have no idea what the result would be if they played head-to-head again. So whether you're sure Florida State would beat LSU by 40 because they lost to Texas A&M, or whether you're sure that LSU developed way more than Florida State, and because Keishon Boutte, their receiver, is coming back, they would beat Florida State by 40, you don't know. So, buddy, that's a huge wild card. And I think that the way this season's going to shape up with the offseason we're having, I mean, again, the battle's end is putting in work. They are getting kids back. They are making uh, big moves. We're going to have a lot of excitement, a lot of hype. And that first game is going to be very critical, I think, to the momentum of this season. Now, don't go in the comments and say, you know, Max is being a Debbie Downer. I, I'm not at all. I'm not saying you're not going to have a great season. I'm just saying, like, that is the one part of the schedule where it's like, oh, gosh, I, you know, I almost wish more so this year or this coming year than this past year. We had that tune up game before. I, about, I was just about to say that the one thing that people do forget is that we did play. We did beat up on a Duquesne team and right before that kind of get the Kings out the way. And you saw Brian Kelly in his first season with them. And also Brian Kelly is a very good QP coach. Jay and Daniel did struggle that first game. But then you saw his development over time or throughout the rest of the season. And LSU as a whole was one of the top 25, top 15 teams in the country. Now, one of the things that I do think is a strong tone setter, I do think, you know, when you have the Southern Miss game after that kind of is, is a great way to kind of pick yourselves up. But when you look at the schedule overall, you have the Pittsburgh Panthers who are going to be acclimating a new quarterback with Phil Dracovic, your boy. Virginia Tech Hokies as well. We, we have them who, who've had a very down year. Is that home Duke Blue? Oh, uh, which one? Virginia Tech. That is a home game. Pitt is the one that's away. Then you have Duke coming down. Duke's had a very good year. But overall, it's against a weaker coach of conference. It's a very good team, a very well-coached team. But that's another game that I personally feel is W. And then also with Wake Forest, we just don't know what you're going to have with them. And overall, like looking at it, it's it's shaping up to be, honestly, you can probably see yourself with a 10-1 season right there just looking at that schedule overall. Yeah, I mean, sorry, I'm doing a quick write-down because I should have printed out the schedule. Um, so I, I really like that. You, you don't you don't have eagle eyes to look at your monitor? Right. Well, you, yeah, so you, folks, let me let you all in on the secret. I, uh, It's a tough life I live here. Um I, my home office has to double as a recording studio. I don't have separate rooms for them. I, I know it's hard, but this wall here, my desk is on it, right? So I have to move stuff out of the way. I have to pivot the monitor so I can see Drake. That's why I'm looking over there. Anyway, um, Southern Miss is like a decent Sunbelt team. So it's not going to be, I, I, you're, they're not going to really challenge you. I don't think I'm not I don't mean it that way, but I do, I do think that's good that like, it's not going to be a complete walk, walk through. Like you'll get to actually work some stuff. You'll get the guys in the trenches. They're going to have to actually put in some effort. Um, so it's, so it's a good hybrid, like, you know, out of conference type type game to, yeah, to bring, to bring you back. Um, and this ACC schedule, man, I, I just, I don't think I could ask for better. I mean, you got Duke who props their coach, ACC coach of the year. I, I'm going to, I'm going to take my boy, um, on the cover three podcast. I don't remember if it was Bud or, or if it was um, Danny, one of the FSU guys said it where they're like, look, I mean, their, their win total was two and a half and they won seven. Like that's crazy. Eight. They won eight games. Eight, right. Insane. But like, that's their ceiling, right? Like you, that's a, that, that is, that is a team I'm comfortable being matched up against Virginia tech. Same thing. Pitt. I'm not worried. Um, <laughs> Syracuse admittedly, man. I, I mean, we absolutely boat race Syracuse this year. And I, I I am surprised Dino Babers isn't getting fired this year. I understand they won six games in a row, but they coasted off of that like a dude in a wingsuit. 
Like they, I, I, I'm very surprised he's been retained. I, I, I'll, the only thing I'll preface with that is mainly because at Syracuse, it's like you kind of have to ask yourself, like, what exactly is your, you know, ceiling or where expecting at Syracuse? But that's like kind of have a discussion for like another day too. Like, as what, well. what have you ever had to ask yourself that these programs are delusional? You got dude, six games though. It's a bowl game. It's like exactly. it, 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 it's a basketball school. Get us to the basketball season. We're all good. Yeah, that's true. Well, you got Kentucky. Pay. Anyway. Um, yeah, and then and then you're right about Wake. I mean, like, is Sam Hartman going to transfer? Is he going to come back? Whatever. But that, gosh, that's a game I'd love to have back this year. And I think next year the delta between your skill and their skill will 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 widen. Um, oh, dude, people on the show are going to hate me, but I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that two years ago Miami beat us by 45. So I think we beat them next year, but. Just folks, don't assume we're always going to beat them by that much. Like, that's not going to be, you know, look, they've got a lot of good players. Like, I got a lot of good players transferring. Uh, but they also have some good ones coming back. Like, that's it's Miami. It's That one's going to be – actually, I guess not. I don't know. I was going to say it's always a tough game, but I guess this year it wasn't. <laughs> as long as Josh Gass is still there, I'm really not worried about it. To be honest I don't with know you. what I'm talking about. That's going to be a cakewalk. Um, <laughs> and then Clemson. I don't know. Kate. I before before you go into the K Clemson thing, I just do want to preface that he did go up against a UNC defense that has struggled all season long, and that was the first game where Cade actually looked like in command of an offense, and he also was able to use more of the playbook. Cade is the U.S. in World War One. We showed up for five minutes, and everyone gave us credit. Like, dude, that Syracuse game, he was like oh for three, and everyone's like, oh yeah, you know, putting Cade Klubnik and really jump started the offense. What Hunter or not Hunter Renfro? basically will Shipley start running better because Cade Klubnik was handing him the ball. No, they just stopped making dumb mistakes. That game against Syracuse for Clemson was fluky. That's not what y'all are here to hear, but Cade Klubnik's had one good game. Other than that, he's looked like a pretty average quarterback that hasn't really lived up to his billing. And I get, he was a true freshman, but let's not go assuming he's going to be the next Drake may immediately is all. And even Drake may was a redshirt freshman. Exactly. So I, I look at this schedule and I don't, I don't know if you'll go 12 and 0. I don't know if you're going to win a conference title. And I don't know if you're going to be in the playoff discussion, but here's what I do know, Drake. This is the best chance you've had to do any of those three things in a decade. And that's, that's pretty freaking exciting. We are going to the CFP, folks. Please book your tickets now because we will be defending in the Orange Bowl. And Maxon will be there. I'll be there. Dave will be there. Holly, Stacy, they'll be there as well. No, 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 we don't hang out with them. Oh, we will not be hanging out with Holly or Stacy. Actually, over there. Holly and Stacy, they've they've had to move on to greener pastures. That's probably for the best. But folks, what's even better is you come back each and every single day to support us and making Locked On Seminoles your first listen each and every single day and making the Seminoles executive brief your second listen each and every single day. Maxwell, love having you on. Please let the folks know where they can follow you and also follow your work. Yeah, folks, just check me out real quick. It's the Seminole Executive Brief. I'm on TikTok. I am on uh and I'm and I'm on YouTube and I would love for y'all to follow, but more importantly, Thanks for being fans of the program and thanks for listening to these guys. I, uh, you know, I'm not with the show anymore, um, full time and I still listen to it every day, man. I love what you guys do. I, I love hopping on and you know, now I'm like buddy, the elf. I listen to y'all and I'm like, I know those guys. It's I know those guys. guys. So thanks for uh, here and come, come check me out at Seminole executive brief. 
assembles like a brief where they learn most about your floor hit say assembles and 10 to 12 minutes each and every single what uh, two to three days something like yeah, that like monday twice wednesday a week, you know. twice a week yeah twice twice, Gets twice a week. running start yeah we got the daily you, know, you can ha- we can handle everything else but nothing better that was max and this was drake and we'll see y'all next time on locked on samples take care everybody and max what's i miss that it's terrible time. It's terrible time.